relive in the title side, but what is this really about? This is about the buyers and sellers getting into their home. Um, and the more information that we can provide to them, the better. HOAs. It's a love-hate relationship for many when it comes to purchasing and living in a community association. The amenities and the retention of high property values are attractive to many, but for some people, the rules and cookie-cutter aesthetics can be unbearable. It's estimated that about 53% of owner-occupied properties in the United States are located within some form of a community association. That means that the next time you go to buy a home, there's a good chance of it needing an estoppel certificate, resale disclosure, or status letter from an HOA or COA. Some states have laws regulating fees, required disclosures, and turnaround times for this important property information, while others just don't. I spoke to Stephen Craig, HOA Operations Manager of PropLogix, to talk about his work with HOAs and what buyers and real estate professionals need to know when closing on an HOA property. So how's it going? Good, how are you? I'm pretty well. So let's get started. Um, well, I, have to, I have to ask though beforehand, if we mess up, can we, can it get cut out? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <sighs> Gosh, this is nerving. How do you do this all the time? Um, well, I don't feel nervous at all because I know you a lot better than most of the people I speak to. So True. I don't feel like I have to be like, oh, I got to be super intelligent sounding and make a really good impression because <laughs> we've had conversations before. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. you know what a nerd I am, so it's no big yeah. deal. Yeah, and you know how much of a lunatic I can be, so it all works out. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so let's get started with you just introducing yourself, telling me a little bit about what you do, how long you've been working with PropLogix, the kind of work you've been doing with HOAs, and that kind of research. Sure. Hello, everyone. My name is Stephen Craig. I am the operations manager of our HOA Estables department. I've been with PropLogix going on four years now, just about my entire tenure at PropLogix, I've been working in the HOA industry. So I've gained a lot of experience. I've seen the statute change in Florida, and I've also seen a lot of rules and regulations throughout the, throughout the United States change over the course of time. So very excited to share with you some insights that I've learned and experienced over the last four years and, and can definitely hopefully clarify some things you might have questions with as well. Fun fact about me, I grew up in Patchogue, Long Island. I just moved down here five years ago yesterday. So definitely celebrated my five years being down in Florida and getting away from the snow over the last couple of years. So I've been very excited to be here and blessed to be with PropLogix and, and being with the Bleed Green family. Awesome. So you mentioned you were there for when the statutes changed in the state of Florida regarding estoppel requests from HOAs. Yep. Can you speak a little bit about the differences between then and now? Yes, absolutely. Well, first, once we heard that the statute was changing, I think the tone throughout the industry, everyone was happy. Um, there were some really good changes that they made. And the most impactful one was the changes that they made to pricing. So it was a reasonable fee set forth earlier. So it wasn't really regulated. One person might think a reasonable fee is X amount and someone else thinks the reasonable fee is something else. So 
there's, it wasn't a lot of clarity. There's a lot of money that needed to get spent. Some were overpriced, in my opinion. Some were underpriced, in my opinion. And I think that's where we landed with the 250, 350 is pretty reasonable, especially because it's consistent. Now, some say it's high, some say it's low. We're always going to get those, um, those conversations. But I'd rather have consistency than anything else because then we know what to expect on every single order that comes in. And it allows us to be more transparent with all of our customers and buyers, sellers, and everyone. The second thing, actually, that, that really changed was the reduction in the turnaround times. Estoppels used to be 15 days with the old statute. So reducing that to 10 days for the standard and then three days for the rush really had a big impact on what we were able to do as a company and what all of our clients are able to do for their customers too. So very, very happy to see some changes and we're going to be excited to see what changes happen again when this comes back around in 2022. What's happening in 2022? I don't think I'm aware. So every five years, the statute for the estoppels in Florida revisited. So it was released July 2017. So I'm thinking a little bit before July 2022, there's going to be conversations and revisions. And I'll be excited to see what some of the leaders in Florida are going to do to help buyers and sellers get into their dream homes. And that's what, that's what this is ultimately all about, is making sure that the buyers and sellers have a smooth transaction, <laughs> making sure that any debt is uncovered and paid for uh, ahead of time. So there's no ugly bills for the new owners in the future. To that point, can you speak a little bit more about why this research is so important, particularly when you know people are buying a home in an HOA and maybe talk a little bit about, you know, like obviously lenders are always going to request this research when they're financing a deal, but some cash buyers might be unaware of getting an estoppel letter and how does that protect a new home buyer on a property? Sure. You know, and I know a lot of buyers and sellers, they, they might hear the term estoppel and they probably don't know what it is right up front, especially if they're in their first transaction inside of the HOA or maybe their first transaction at all. I think it's super important to make sure that this information is correct coming from the HOA because you can find out the financials of the home. You can find out about amenities, what's covered in your dues. There's so many things embodied into that estoppel that when added to the buyer or seller can be very, very useful. Speaking particularly to the transaction itself, one of the biggest things I, I, I talk to my team about this all the time is making sure that the, the, we find out what money is owed at the time, whether it's debt or a transfer fee or buyer application fees or you know fees for um, just the gates and everything like that, pool, amenities, whatever. Uncovering the fees and the dollar is probably the most important thing that comes on the estoppel because you don't want to see a bill in the future that, you know, you can't get key access to the gym that, that you're paying monthly for because you didn't pay a closing fee or you can't get into the pool and it's the middle of July and you really just want to go for a swim and you can't because at closing a fee wasn't paid. So I, I really encourage my team to make sure that they find every single cent that they can for our customers because that, that to me is the most, one of the most important things on the estoppel. A couple other things, buyer application process. We, we like to make sure that stuff is uncovered upfront as quickly as possible because some HOAs have a 30-day turnaround on buyer application processes. So that could delay closing if it takes 30 days and you're scheduled to close in 20. So sometimes some expedited measures might have to be taken to make sure that you know, the buyers are approved in time. 
So with that in mind, it's really important to order this kind of information or place an order with PropLogix to, to get that research started as soon as possible, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's always better to get your information updated than getting it too late and have to delay a closing and make any modifications to the extended contract or whatever the case may be. The sooner the better, because the sooner you, you can uncover things and then you can just get an update. And the estoppel is good for 30 days as well. So if you're closing in 29 days, that's, it's not a bad idea to get that requested because in 10 days, you'll get it. And then that gives you another 10 business days potentially to make sure any violations are cured, make sure that the seller makes any delinquent payments on time and, you know, finish up whatever is needed for that closing disclosure. Going back specifically to the Florida HOA law, were there any specific issues that weren't resolved from it? You know, maybe the length of time to approve a buyer might be one thing that they revisit in 2022, sounds like. Yeah. Were there any, any unintended negative consequences of it of the law, do you feel like? What were some of the benefits gained versus some of the inadvertent problems that have maybe arised from it? You mentioned one of the biggest ones there. So um, buyer approval is one of the ones that we hear about often because buyer approval is part of the estoppel statute. So having the answer to that question, but the buyers haven't actually applied yet or something can cause some delay. So I'm looking forward to seeing if I can express any input to, you know, to the future of this estoppel statute and maybe having some boundaries set for buyer approval, because that's one of the ringing of the bell things that we hear. Like when we know that their buyers haven't been approved or haven't even applied and we're getting to the estoppel process, the one thing that no one wants to see is a delay. So whatever the leaders of Florida decide and I know that there's a, a lot of people involved. I think that one of the great things that's going to happen is it's going to be more detailed. Right now, there's a lot of sections, and I won't cover a lot of them, but there's a lot of ambiguity. There's a lot of perception. There's a lot of different definitions for certain sections and certain bullet points that I think need some more clarification. Uh, and I think that they're going to move forward this way. I think this was a great start to something that's going to become even more beneficial in the future. That's good. Yeah, hopefully it'll continue to improve and help home buyers, especially since so many communities, especially in Florida, are governed by a community association like an HOA or a COA. Yeah, and it's just it's more and more. I I've read some statistics recently that new builds over you know over seventy five percent or more potentially are inside HOAs. So that's just growing and growing and growing. The last time I took a look, the um, CAI put out something a, a year or two ago about how many associations there are in Florida on estimate. And it was 60,000 plus at the time. And a couple of years have passed since that case study has been revisited. So it's just continuing to increase. I can tell you just in Sarasota, right up the road, there's like two or three new developments coming up and they're all homeowners associations. Um, they're all gated fencing communities that eventually someone's going to need an estoppel for in the future. So, you know, we look forward to, to seeing these new builds because obviously we get to help the buyers and sellers of those homes, you know, make sure that their transaction goes as smooth as possible with their HOA. And are there other states that have similar laws to the Florida estoppel law? Um, things that can kind of help both the title agent and the home buyer in that process of purchasing within a, an association? Sure. There are many states that have 
similar um, requirements, or I should, maybe I should say consistent requirements throughout the state. So in Texas, there's the Texas Real Estate Commission. They have their form. They provide a form, a standardized form for closing to go along with resale certificates and status letters and statement of accounts, things like that. There are a couple other states that do really well with uh, providing guidelines. California is one of them that has a lot of rules and regulations. Illinois, they have their 22.1 disclosures. Um, those 22.1 disclosures have a lot of information. And aside from that 22.1, you order a statement of account to get the financials on, of the home. So you order two documents uh, most of the time there. So there's a lot of states that are setting the expectation for HOAs and buyers and sellers. I'm paying close attention to what's happening in Georgia. I think there's been a lot of speculation about what they're going to be doing with their resale certificates. Resale certificates is what they call it in many other states, um, closing disclosures as well. So in Georgia, they're looking to make some changes and standardize some information that's provided on these documents. And I look forward to seeing what they, what they do because they made Florida. So hopefully they can uh, make some really good changes, learn from Florida, and then we can in turn in 2022, maybe learn from them as well and, and see how, what their success is like. Are there any maybe interesting stories about this kind of research? Any odd findings? Anything that you've uncovered that you'd want to share with people who are in the settlement services just to kind of glean more information on things that they should be looking for, odd or unique situations that you've uncovered? Yeah, I mean, I have, I can go on and on. We actually, uh, we keep a book. Um, the team and I, we created a little book for ourselves to, for these particular situations that happen and we uncover something really crazy. Um, but a lot of situations that come to mind really revolve around states that don't have a lot of regulation and estoppels to begin with. I mean, you can go to Alabama that doesn't really have much regulation, if any. You, you know, you're calling people's homes often and they might be retired, they might not work, they don't want to talk to you on the phone. So you can only imagine those kinds of conversations that you're trying to have with somebody who's never heard of PropLogix, who's never heard of an estoppel or a resale certificate. We've seen different types of violations in different HOAs across all the states. I mean, just for having something as simple as a lawn gnome out there, they got a $1,000 violation over time. I mean, that's $1,000 for having a lawn gnome on your property. Holy cow, like, just remove the thing, you know? <laughs> It's just a you know, little porcelain thing sitting out in someone's property and they got charged over time a thousand bucks. That can put you into collections and that can put you in a foreclosure in some, some states. So, you know, there's, there's a lot that can go on. What I would re always recommend though, when, you know, if you're doing the process yourself, you're using a company like PropLogix to help obtain the documents, put your buyers in communication with the HOA, let them get to know the board and the people that live within the community and, what those people are like. So you can get a really good understanding of what the expectation is for those buyers when they first move in. A lot of the times PropLogix is the first point of contact that HOA gets about the transaction. And they start reaching out to us by letting us know, hey, the pool's closing next week for renovation. Well, it's great for us to know, but I mean, we're not going to go swimming in there anytime soon. We got to get that over to the buyers and to the, to the sellers so they can know about what's going on in the community. So definitely, if you're going through this process, have the communication between the HOA and your buyers and sellers start because it's really beneficial to everyone around. I think most people tend to have a love-hate relationship with HOAs. I think a lot of people are very attracted to the amenities that are included in an HOA or a COA, sure. but they don't think about 
all of the additional fees involved, um, sometimes somewhat hidden fees, and they don't think about how fees could increase, special assessments can be sure. levied against you as a, a member. Um, and so I think the sooner home buyers are made aware of all of these nuances of living in a community association, they can make a better decision about whether or not that particular property really is the home of their dreams because it does come attached with a lot of caveats. Yeah, absolutely. And CCNRs and bylaws and things um, that are provided by the HOA cover a lot of the rules and regulations so that you can really understand a lot of the HOA through the paperwork, but that's just paperwork. There's nothing really like having a, that conversation with the board about the pieces of paper that are in front of you. HOAs protect your property value. HOAs set rules and regulations intentionally. And if they're too much for you, then don't move into that HOA. Think about going to somewhere that doesn't have so many rules and restrictions. If you own a company and you have logos all on your truck and your HOA says you can't have that, then that might not be the right home for you because you're just starting a battle and you're creating that friction the day you move in and your truck shows up. So, you know, making sure you understand all of those little caveats in the bylaws and the CCNRs of the HOA is very, very important. Do you have any other thoughts or suggestions, anything that you'd like to impart on people who are working in the title industry? Uh, maybe, you know, people who are new to the industry or wanting to get into it. What are some things that they really should be aware of when they're doing title work on a property in an HOA? That's a great question. I give this advice a lot to a lot of people. And this is a truly relationship driven business. We speak to the same people at the same management companies consistently. You, you want to make sure that you're building relationships because that can only benefit you in the future. Create a database, create something using Excel and just write, this is the HOA management company and who you spoke to. And it might be call the person up the next day on the phone and you call them by their first name because you have that relationship. That's only going to help you get your information back quicker and more effectively. And it might buy a get, get out of jail free card when you're in a real tight bind. One piece of advice is build that connection with the person on the other end of the line because they're doing their job just like you are. Also, keep detailed records of things that are going on with the HOA. I've worked with a lot of self-managed HOAs that they're, it's a 500 home community, but they're, they don't have a management company and, you know, Sometimes their information doesn't seem like they're correct. Make sure you follow up with questions and keep detailed track of what's going on on those estoppels. A lot of times it could just be a misplacement of a period, but that just potentially double, triple the amount of money that was owed at the time of closing that was unnecessary. And then you're running into some unforeseen situation that you're not necessarily expected to have. So mm -hmm. really making sure that all of the information is accurate making sure that you have consistency throughout your own type of organization. And if you don't have your own type of estoppel form yet, go on Microsoft Word and go onto the statute, make the list of the questions, make it circle, make it so you can circle it or highlight it, and then add maybe some additional questions that you have consistently for your lenders or, or for your buyers and sellers to that estoppel form. And then ask the HOA if they can fill that out as a part of the estoppel. So you don't have to pay additional for a questionnaire or for additional information that way. So definitely some, some really good tips. The form that we typically use, it's reflective to those requirements within state estoppel laws too, right? So that's something yeah. to, to keep in mind as well when you're creating that form. 
Yeah, you, when, you, when you create the form, you might want to go line by line with the statute and just make sure if there's any question or if it's in need of a response that you input it onto the estoppel. I've actually received estoppels of the statute and someone hand wrote next to all of the questions. So there's just so many different ways that you can do it, but the more consistent you are and the more you have your own process for this you know, particular HOA research, the better off you're going to be. And we've added questions to our report for specific clients all the time. There's one that comes up often and it's about litigation and if, is the HOA involved in any litigation? Something that's really important, but not asked on the estoppel statute. So I'm thinking that might be something that's going to be coming up in 2022, but something that some lenders and, and title companies and sellers and buyers want information they want to know about. So if that's the type of question that you want to add to your own personal estoppel request, go ahead. Absolutely. You, you know, feel free and just ask the HOA, hey, I added a question here. Is that okay for you to just answer along with this estoppel request? Nine times out of 10, they're going to be okay with it. That's good to know. Are there any other questions um, that settlement agents would usually want to know that aren't currently on the Florida estoppel law or other state regulation laws? Yeah, so it really, litigation was probably the most prominent one that I've seen that's required in other states and is not necessarily involved in Florida in the statute. I think there needs to be a little bit, a little bit more information provided with the estoppel itself, in, in my opinion. Not often do the HOAs provide the CCNRs and bylaws with the estoppel request. Sometimes it you know, makes a little bit additional work for the title agent and the buyer to go obtain those, whether it be through the clerk court or paying for it online through their uh, HOA portal. But what I would like to see standardized like some other states is having that information provided with the estoppel request at no additional cost. Because that only helps the buyers understand more about the HOA. We live in the title side, but what is this really about? This is about the buyers and sellers getting into their homes. Um, and the more information that we can provide to them, the better. Great. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? I talked about it a little bit with the standardization of the estoppel request. Not everyone will always use that estoppel request that you provide to them. A lot of people have their own form as well. So even if you have your own form and it's not used and maybe you have some additional questions, that doesn't mean they're not going to answer the questions. That just means that they probably didn't notice that other question that you had on your report. So just always follow up because if it's really important to you, make sure you get it. They have the information, they can provide it to you. That's great. Thank you so much, Stephen, for joining me Absolutely. today. I really appreciate it. You got it. Um, I hope you have a great rest of your day and I'll talk to you later. I'll talk to you later, Amanda. Bye. Title Talks is produced by PropLogics and myself. Original music is by Cole Sando. Graphics are by Jordan Norris. If you'd like to submit an idea for an episode, you can email us at title.talks at proplogics.com. That's P-R-O-P-L-O-G-I-X.com. Until next time, happy closings. <laughs>